Last week was a little bit of a different week, and uh, it was a different flow than we normally have. Today's been a little bit of a different flow too, but not quite the same. And so uh, I, I wanted to get into Nehemiah's wall, which I did a little bit, about halfway. Uh, but there was a word that had come. Remember, I, I played you last Sunday morning the prophetic word from Tuesday prayer meeting. Remember, I played it. It was about eight minutes long. And that was about Nehemiah's wall. And that uh, there would be those that are, that are going to gather. There's already, you have gathered, but that new ones that we don't know about are gathering. That there's also enemies' voices like to buy and send ballot that we are to ignore and not be discouraged. He had said to me in that word to be bold and to blow the trumpet and speak forth what needs to be spoken. He talked about the glory center and how it was important to him and how it's going to come to pass. Do you remember he said all of that in that prophetic word and about how that, uh, that we are to bring our gather together with our trowel and our sword. That means a natural supply and a spiritual supply. The trowel means you're bringing, are you paying attention? Because yes. some of you, I think when we go into this time, you, you start opening up your to-do list and you start thinking about lunch. I can tell because you've got glazed looks on your eyes. So pay attention. Okay. If I was a first year pastor, I wouldn't say that. But I have, I've lost my finesse. And the older I get, the grumpier I get, so just pray for me. I don't waste my time. I could be lots of places, but I'm here this morning. I could be preaching a lot of other places today, but I'm here this morning because this is where, my, this is where I need to be because you're, you're, my, you're my sheep. So pay attention, okay? God had said through that prophetic word that I played last Sunday morning audibly from two, two Tuesdays ago. That there, that there is a supply of the trial and the sword, the natural supply and the watching, the waging war, the spiritual supply. Sword represents the word of God, that warring in the spirit, watching, praying, praying things out, calling things out. But the trial represents physically showing up, doing the agape. You remember, A, if you love God, if you have agape love for Jesus, you're going to love his body, you're going to love his church. Show up, A, attend, G, give, tithes and offerings. This, this is all a natural supply. A-G-A, assist, be in ministry of help, serve, do something, don't be lazy. P for pray, E for evangelize. This is a natural trial that we bring. Yes. Now praying is obviously the sword in that acronym, but there, there's a lot of natural supply that people need to bring. You can't just pray at home and expect this local church to be strong. You've got to show up. But he said these things to me in that word which I played you, and, 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 then, and then I kind of, the anointing got kind of come on me and I went a little different direction than I planned. But one thing I hadn't read you was before that word came on that Tuesday morning, which I played you, he had said to me uh, earlier in that prayer meeting, and I want to quote this because I never read it, I never read it last week, but he said, uh, pray for the people's hearts to be knit, that their hearts would not just be committed, but knitted. That means God was making a distinction between a committed heart and a knitted heart. You can be committed but not knitted to your wife or to your husband. I see lots of married couples that are committed to each other. They're not there sleeping with somebody else. They're committed, but they're not knitted. They don't love each other. They don't, they don't, they don't laugh together. They don't go on dates together. They don't enjoy the joie de vivre of life. Taylor, I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. What does joie de vivre mean? Joy of living. I'm getting into this French thing. Because I've got a translator right here. He's fluent in French. Okay? Air Canada wants to hire him to be a steward. And I said, no, we need him right here at Promise of Life. The joy of living, joie de vivre. And so, 
uh, there's a lot of couples that don't enjoy the joy of living, but they're committed to each other. They're not cheating on each other. They're not beating each other up. There's a difference when you're knitted than when you're committed. And the Lord said to me, there's many people in this church that are committed. They're not, hop- they're not church tramps. They're not hopping around. They're not, they're, not, they're not getting offended. They could, but they choose not to. They're, they're faithful. They show up with their tithes and offerings and their supply and the trowel in their hand and the sword in their hand. And they are doing certain things. He said, but there's a difference between their hearts being committed and their hearts being knitted. When you're knitted, it's a whole nother story. Now you can't wait to get to church. Just like a husband and wife, you look forward to each other's company. Like me, I wait for, I always do. I wait for her to put something, uh, drink in her mouth. And then I tell her a joke because I enjoy watching it come out. It's fun. I just find that fun. That's called joie de vivre. There should be an excitement about your, you're not just with your spouse. That's one illustration, but there should be an excitement about a joy, about coming, a fun quality, an enjoyment quality, a joy of living quality. That's called a knitted heart. When you're knitted to the vision and to the pastor that God has set in that office, when there's a knitting in your hearts, things will change for you. And, and, and church won't just be a religious duty that you're committed to, but it will be something you, 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 you work your week around. Because it's where God's house is. It's where your brothers and sisters are. It's where the corporate anointing is. It's where the word is preached. It's where you get to serve. It's where you get to see each other. It's where you get to fellowship. Where you have fun. Well, you're not like a bullet out of this thing as soon as we end. I understand some have jobs and you got to go. But where you sometimes plan to just get a coffee and hang and actually meet somebody outside your little clique. Because there's a lot of people that are fascinating people here with fascinating pasts, fascinating lives. But you're gone like a bullet out of a gun. As soon as I say amen before Taylor's even got up to do the second offering, you've already departed in the spirit. Your body might be here, but your spirit is already at home. I'm telling you something about it. There's, if, if there's a joie de vivre and a, a knittedness, you'll want to just hold on a little bit. Maybe I can talk to somebody and bless somebody. Maybe I have a word of encouragement for somebody. Remember, the simple gift of prophecy is supposed to operate in all of you. How, do you really think that, that that's happening? What a joke. We're, we're, not, we're, not doing what, we're not doing New Testament stuff. So all you want the, the mic so you can say, yay, and again I say, yay, yay, yay. That's what you want to prophesy. But that's not the kind of prophecy that, that you're necessarily, that occasionally might happen, but that's not the main prophecy. The Bible calls it the, the, the gift of prophecy. It's the simple gift of prophecy that every believer is supposed to operate in every service, but not necessarily while the preaching's happening because that will cause distraction. And disorder but every one of you have the simple gift of prophecy the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and it is the gift of prophecy it is actually a spiritual gift that if you yield to its spontaneous inspired utterance when you look at somebody and let's say you look at you look at mr. Hansom who's now 50 years and one week old glory to God and you look at mr. mr. Bullis Awad there we call him Paul but his Arabic name is Bullis so I like to keep it pure and authentic and you see, Miss, and you just look at him, and you weren't thinking anything about him, but just something, just something is stirring in you, and you don't exactly know, and you just go, and as you start talking to him, just a little word of encouragement comes. Yes. Brother Paul, I just want you to know it's all going to come to pass, and you just start to speak out of your spirit, not foretelling. In seven years, you're going you're gonna to have 17 businesses. You're going to be, not that, and not rebuke and correction. Now the Lord shows me that the secret sin in your closet. No. It's not foretelling and it's not correction. That's for offices and you're not an office. But the simple gift of prophecy, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, is for edification. That means to edify, build somebody up, 
exhortation, that means to encourage them, and comfort, that means to comfort them. Because some people are going through hard times. And you're going to just look at somebody, and just, you're, just, you're not going to always going to know before, but as you just engage in the conversation, something to come to edify, exhort, and comfort will just come out of you for them. And everybody then goes home and goes, I'm so glad I came to church. Because not only did the word come from an office to help me, but you know, that person talked to me. And I hate to say it, Taylor, but sometimes some people, they're more excited about the, the simple word of prophecy from a brother or sister than they even are from the preach word, which is kind of out of order. But you know what I'm saying? Because it is so important to encourage each other. But you can't if you never see, if you're gone like a bullet. I don't know why I'm saying that, but somebody needs to hear that. Or if there's something about your click mentality, well, I don't know them, so I'm not going to talk to them. So you should practice sitting in different places of the sanctuary and sitting with different people. Instead of always, you know, we're not in a religious church where you bought that seat. In the years past, people would buy seats. No, seriously, I've been to churches and the pastor said uh, that couple, you know, that couple bought that seat. Cost them $10,000. That whole family bought that row. That cost them $100,000. No, some churches, they charge you for seats. You, you, what, you've never heard of that before? Well, it happens. Especially in the denominational churches. You want a certain seat? You pay for that baby. And that's above your tithes and offerings. You pay $100,000 for that row. But actually, the more I talk about it, Tyrone, the more I'm liking this. I, I, the, more, the, more, the more this seems like a God idea to me. No, 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 no. That's not a good idea. That's a religious devil. Then they think they own the seat and it's only a hop, skip and a jump before they think they own the pastor. Then they think they own the message. Then they think they can tell the pastor what he can do because they bought the seat. No, 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 we're not doing that. You can still give $100,000. Just we're not doing it. We're not doing it that way. So he said, pray for the people's hearts to be knit, that their hearts would not just be committed, but knitted. Pray for the people that their hearts would be knitted to you as their pastor and to the vision that you are proclaiming, which I have put in you for this ministry. So I'm praying and my staff are praying and my leaders are praying that your heart would not just be committed, but knitted. Praise God. You can't have a knitted heart and be in disunity. When you're knitted, you're, you're in that flow. So he had said that, and I wanted to say that first last week, but the anointing kind of took me a different direction. Then I played you that recording, and I went through the main points of that recording. Praise God. And then he said to me, while I'm, before the service started, but also while that recording was playing, I'm not expecting that, and, I, and I'm like, I want to have, you know, decorum and have it be normal, so to speak, but I can't help it when the Holy Ghost falls on me. And as I'm hearing myself prophesy about Randy in the, in, the, in the restaurant and him seeing on the horizon the glory clouds and about the glory center, I felt the Spirit of God fall on me while I was standing here during that playing of that prophecy. And the word of the Lord came to me when, when the, at that moment, I, don't, I stopped listening to the recording because I heard God speak to me. And he said, that's why there's been such an attack to stop the glory center. A baby is most vulnerable at the beginning of the pregnancy. And that's why there's been such an attack at the beginning of 2021 to stop the glory center. But it will not be aborted. It will come to pass because it will be a cradle and a housing place for my glory in this city. Now, he said that to me when I was standing here. Praise God. So, so I, I'm just running you through how the spirit has been communicating to us. He's telling us about knitted hearts. There's a reason for that. He's telling us about building the wall, bringing your supply. There's voices, but ignore them. Be bold with my blowing the trumpet and proclaiming it. You, there's new people coming. He's, a, he's assigning new people to this vision. 
But, but, but don't, be, don't be challenged by that. Rejoice in that because we need their supply, just like we need your supply. So why is he saying, notice what the Spirit of God is saying. Pay attention, be a good student, connect dots. Be knitted, not just committed. Because I'm building a wall. And you have a supply and there's others that are coming with a supply for that wall, for that assignment. Right? And then specifically, the main focus in this city, not internationally, but in this city, is the glory center. And that's why there's been such an assault to abort that. But have knitted hearts because I'm building a wall and the glory center will come to pass. I'm trying to show you the flow to connect dots. Ever seen the little thing with the kids and they connect dots? If you skip from four to nine, you'll miss part of the picture. You've got to go in the numerical order of the dots. What he's trying to say is knitted hearts because I'm building a wall. And there's a lot of other things, but I'm just paraphrasing it. Have knitted hearts in the building of the wall and the assignment. Because the glory center will not be aborted. And that is the main focus of God in this city. Now, that anointing that came on us, that came on me during the fast, that apostolic anointing is really Amy Simple McPherson's anointing, as well as anointing directly from God. And it is to establish. Remember, that anointing came, she said to that man, take my anointing, take my mantle and establish the church. So that anointing is an apostolic anointing to establish churches. But the primary church is this church. The primary church is this church. It's not in the other countries. It's this church. The primary place is the glory center. All the other international works, the anointing will work, will work from that office and on those ministers in that city, and they'll have their own centers. But the primary thing for promise of life is this church. And, this, and so he's focused on this. And so he's been talking to me a little bit more about the glory center and about preparing. And even though it's years in the future, there still seems to be an emphasis from God in my heart to just keep it before your eyes. Keep it before your eyes. It's not just about a building. It's not, don't get carnal. It's not just about a building. It is a building, but it's not just about the building. It's a gathering place. It's a place. He called it a cradle. A cradle is where you put a, a, a little baby, a fragile baby, an innocent baby, because the glory is going to be birthed. The glory, the move of God is going to be birthed, and it needs a place to house it. It needs a place to cradle it. It needs a place for it to grow and for it to come into strength. That glory is coming to our city. Now, you just heard what I prophesied this morning, which, of course, I didn't know was coming, but he's been dealing with me all morning. From the time I spent time with him in prayer, driving down, putting my mic on, and in the worship, I, different phrases were coming up. And that's, that's why I didn't know how it was going to happen, Jenny, because normally if it's me to prophesy out loud publicly, one phrase will come up. Right. It's like a tissue box. If I don't say the one phrase that is coming up by the Holy Ghost, if I don't open my mouth, the next phrase don't come. No. And if I keep opening my mouth, the phrases will keep coming and I'll, and I'll prophesy it out. But this way, multiple phrases came before I got up. So I thought, well, maybe that's not for the people. It's for me because it doesn't normally happen that way. But see, God's got variety. He, he can't be boxed. As soon as I stood up, that came on me. Now I'm saying that out. And I understand, Lord, why you're having me say that. Because uh, I've been writing some notes about what happened last week. Last week, I went to Colorado. And, and it was a pastor's summit. And uh, just by invitation only, a very small group of ministers, by invitation only. I helped co-organize it. But it wasn't just open to anybody. But, uh, but it was basically a summit. And we spent... I don't know how many hours. I mean, four, five, six hours every day, maybe more, just talking. These are only senior pastors. Nobody else was allowed unless you're a senior pastor. And these are from all cities around the United States that are in our flow, because I don't want people that are not in our flow. And we were talking and addressing a lot of doctrinal issues in the church. And pastors were asking questions, and I was asking questions, and as a group, we were searching the Bible together. 
You know, it's very rare. You go to a conference and it's, and it's one flow. But when you get pastors around a table and you open up your Bible and you just talk honestly because you're not in front of the public. We talked about sexual issues. We talked about sexual issues with pastors. This has to be talked about. Because 50% of you as pastors are addicted to pornography. 50%. So, just men, no wives. We just talked about sexual issues. We talked about health issues. We talked about doctor, a lot about doctrinal issues. We talked about certain people in the body of Christ right now, even high-ranking voiced leaders that are getting off. And it's dangerous. And it's shocking how many people are getting off into false doctrine. I mean, it is shocking. And they're telling me stuff that I didn't even know about certain things that are happening in the United States with, if I said the names, every single person in this room would know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about main central voices with large ministries that are getting into absolute demonic doctrines. And we're seeing this happening today because the Bible says that seducing spirits and doctrines of demons are coming into the church and that people will walk away from sound doctrine and they'll go to things that are itching, itching ears. I want something exciting. I want something exciting. That's no, that, that's boring. Give me something that's going to arouse my soul, not feed my spirit and renew my mind. And so we've had a very interesting week and it was actually a very helpful week to me as a pastor because I'll be honest with you. And, and, and the Lord said to me, you might preach your sermon, but just flow with me this morning. When he says that to me, it probably means I'm not, but he just wants me to flow because I got my sermon already. I got more points from last week that you really do need to hear. But what matters is what the spirit wants at this moment, not about my notes. But he said, you might get to it. You might not just flow with me. So I don't know how long this will take and we'll see how we go. But but I'm telling you, I felt for a long time very alone. Because while I feel very amazing camaraderie and with my staff and the leaders and you. But in terms of other churches in Toronto, I feel very alone. I've gone to pastors things in Toronto. I don't talk about it because they're a waste of my time. I won't go back. In fact, the last one I went to, <laughs> I'm talking about the biggest church, some of the biggest churches in Toronto. The pastors got together and they were talking about why they don't invite guest ministers. Because they're the only office that the church needs. And it costs too much money to bring in a guest minister. And then that conversation moved into why we don't teach tithing anymore. Because it offends people. And then it went from that one to the, it just went from one heretical thing to the next heretical thing. And I'm just sitting there and and my mouth is dropping. I I cannot believe pastors of that caliber in Toronto are talking this way. And so I I voiced my concerns a couple times and I got some death stares. And then at the end, I said, well, I guess I don't see eye to eye. And they said, I guess you don't. We're not inviting you again. And I said, good, because I don't want to come back. And I walked out. I said, I love you. I'm not an unforgiveness towards you, but you guys are off. You're doctrinally unsound. You're making decisions to make a big church. Because you know what people like to hear. That's called itch doctrines for itching ears. It's not sound doctrine. And you are living what the Bible says not to do. So I have felt for a very, I'm not saying that there's no churches because I don't know everybody. There's hundreds of churches in Toronto. I don't know everybody. And there's probably many good ones. But I'm just saying, I don't know of any that have the same doctrine and the same belief that we do. And if you're thinking of church, I probably met with that pastor. So don't worry about it. (laughs) 
What about that church? Yeah, I know the one you're thinking about, and I've met with that pastor. What about that church? Yeah, I know that one too, and I met with that pastor as well. It, it is shocking to me how doctrine is going by the gutter. It's going into the gutter. Anything to get numbers. Anything to please the people. And that's how Saul lost his anointing because he said, the people said to me, the people said to me, don't do this. And to please the, he said it, read in the Bible, to please the people, I have not slaughtered and done all these things. And he said, and because you please the people, so, and he ripped his garment and he, he, remember he ripped it and he said, so the Lord has ripped your kingdom, your anointing, basically your office from you and given it to another more worthy than you. Why? Because David didn't do things to please the people. The Bible says he did it as God had it in his heart. He was called a faithful man that did it as God, it pleased God. He was concerned about pleasing God, not about pleasing the people. And in this day today, I'm telling you, there is a, there is a divide that's really growing. It's growing more and more in the ministry about people that are willing to please God and people that are willing to please the people and there is a big divide between the two. So I felt very alone for a long time because I don't, this, this is not fellowship with me here. So when I'm sitting around, this pastor, you know, he says to me, out of the two million that are in his city, he said, there's not one church, not a single church that I can fellowship with the pastor because they're going wrong doctrine. Then the other pastor, there's about 150,000 in his town. And he said, uh, there's not one single church. I've, I've gone to every pastor in town. I can't talk, I can't eat with any of them because they're all going to false doctrine. Then the other pastor that has a big city he, and the other one and the other one, they all said the same thing. There is not one person in our city that we can talk to. And they all looked at, we all looked at each other and we said, well, I guess that's why the Holy Ghost asked us together. He asked us together because he knew. I didn't know that about them and they didn't know that about me. We all thought that everybody had lots of fellowship. And here we are starving for fellowship because there's nobody that's holding the standard of righteousness. And I'm not saying that there's nobody. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know everybody. So obviously I can't say there's nobody. But I'm saying a lot of the major ones, a lot of the public ones, a lot of the ones that are, that are not just in a little home somewhere, but a lot of the more, uh, not just denominational churches, because they don't normally teach right doctrine either. I'm talking about that are more interdenominational or non-denominational churches that are more known and established. It's shocking. And it's not just me, it's other people. I thought it was just us. I thought we were the weirdos in Toronto. But it's city after city after city after in Bible Belt areas of the United States as well as non-Bible Belt areas with the blue flag and the red flag. It don't matter the color of the political flag. There is a great, there is a great departure across the board with sound doctrine. Now let me tell you, I'm trying to help you because I'm not going to say names because it would be inappropriate. But there are many churches now that are starting to have manifestations. Now you better be careful because the Bible says that there'll be manifestations of demonic origin. When Jesus told Dad Hagen, which lines up with the word, he said there'll be many manifestations of miracles in the end days that are of demonic origin. And they're not of the Holy Ghost. And it's happening more and more and more. You'd be shocked. One church, they're having physical feathers. When the pastor starts to do his thing, physical feathers start to appear and fall on people's heads. And they're teaching, as he's teaching certain things that are completely demonic. Like how to manipulate the gifts of the Spirit. Like how you don't need the Holy Ghost to come on you to prophesy. You, just come, you can just prophesy whenever you want and whatever you want and that pleases God. And then they'll have people practice it in the service and then feathers will appear. Oh, look, look what God's doing. See, that's, that's demonic. And, and, see the, and so the people are moved by exciting manifestations and exciting doctrines to itch their tickling ears. 
but they don't want sound doctrine according to the word of God. You do that, now you're considered old school, fuddy-duddy, stuck in the mud, in the past, boring, boring. It's alarming, the things that are happening. I'm talking about oil appearing in people's hands. I'm talking about demonic healings in services. It's astonishing. It's astonishing what is happening. I'm not trying to say to scare you. There's nothing to be scared about. I'm just simply saying we are living in what Timothy said. Paul said to Timothy, perilous times are here. They're not coming. They're here. We are in the last of the last days. We are in the perilous times. And, And people are turning away from sound doctrine. They really are because it doesn't fit their social agenda. It doesn't fit their political agenda. It doesn't fit their sexual agenda. It doesn't fit their financial agenda. It doesn't fit any kind of agenda that they have because they want to live their life however they want to live it. And this is the New Testament church didn't live their life however they wanted to live it. The Bible says in Acts 2 that they cleaved, they joined under the apostles' doctrine. Not the apostles' preaching. The Acts 2.42, you can read it. The apostles' doctrine. They cleaved under that doctrine because there's doctrine that keeps you safe. And it's amazing what is happening in the body of Christ. It is actually, it's, it's astonishing. Amen. And so I, I was very, as I'm, as I'm listening to some of this stuff that they're telling me, and these are people that I, that I trust. I know they're not lying. They're not making it up. Some, most of them have been in ministry longer than I have, and I've been 31 years. It's my 31st year. So these aren't novices. None of these are novices. No, that's true. And so as, as I'm, then I heard the Lord speak to me as I'm sitting there at the table. And he said, why do you think the anointing came on you on Sunday? And I said, I go into the green room when the anointing's off me and I have to take Xanax. I'm joking, but <laughs> because I don't like to talk that way. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to offend people. But the Lord said to me, why do you think the anointing came on you on Sunday? Because a week ago today, that anointing came on me real aggressive to deal with three main problems. I had to listen to it because I couldn't remember what I had said. Three main problems. Number one is people that are dishonoring the local church by staying home. Now, the Spirit of God came on me to correct that because that's that's wrong doctrine. They're they're not walking in correct doctrine. They think it's okay to stay in their pajamas, and it's not. But the Spirit corrected that because I didn't plan on saying that, and he came on me strong. The second thing he came on me strong was about honoring and I brought up the pad thing, which, which I cringe later about because I don't want your money. But he brought up about honoring that office. That's right. Because that, see, people need to be taught. Yes. Yes. What the Bible say? Honor your father and mother, and your days will be long. That's what the Bible says to physical children. But what does a parent have to do? What do I have to do to Luke? Honor is taught. Because they don't naturally get it. I have to train my children up in the way they should go when they're old. They're not going to depart from it. You train them. Remember, it says train your children. And then it says honor your father and mother. What are you training in honor? I got to train what honor means. When I say something, you need to do it, not argue. That this is how you act. This is how you behave. I have to train my physical children. But in in a certain, not exactly the same, but in a similar way, a pastor is to train the congregation in certain areas. There has to be a training in honor. Because if you don't know, you're not really at fault. Unless If you don't know, you don't know. That's why you have to be taught. But a lot of pastors don't because it looks self-serving. But I'm, I'm over that. I'm over that. I'm over that hump. Because, because it matters to me. Dr. Dufresne would sit with me. He would sit with me and he'd teach me how to honor him. And and my heart was impure. I would look at him and say, you're trying to manipulate me. 
you're trying to twist this for personal gain. But I knew the purity and the innocence of his heart, but he would teach me, that's not what you do, son. When I, when I ask you to do this, you need to do it. When you have an opportunity to do this, you should do that. When you have an opportunity to do that, you should do that. He trained me. And I'm grateful that he wasn't too afraid to train me because he was worried about what I'd think about him because I needed to be trained. We, I, we weren't even tithing as a church. I didn't know. Nobody taught me that until doctor trained me in honor to him personally and to his office and to the ministry corporately, individually. He trained me and the Holy Ghost said to me, that's why the anointing came on you to deal with that. I know you're cringing, son, but that's why the anointing came on you to deal with that because you have to train them how to respond to the office. And there's many ways you respond. It's certainly not just on pad. It's every week. It's how you respond to the preaching. It's how you respond by coming. There's lots of ways you respond in honor. But you notice how the Lord is having me correct some things. Nobody wants correction. Everybody wants to be told that they're the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> and the third one, there were three areas, and the third one was, uh, was about the vision. And their agreement, there was correction. And, and I brought up real strong under the anointing about people were standing my office during COVID. But the Holy Ghost brought that up. Don't matter whether you agree with me on everything. Don't matter if I agree with Pastor Nancy on everything. And I don't. Not on everything. Not on everything. But unless there's false doctrine or unrepentant sin, I stay with her. I pray for her. Because our opinions might vary. There's no false doctrine being preached here, and not, none of it was being preached during COVID. Do you understand? Yes. There was no unrepentant, gross sin. So your opinion might be a little different about how to handle the mass, how to handle the vaccine, how to handle this, how to handle how we're running services, but it's not your place to withstand the anointing. It's not your place. And now you see, that has to be taught. We have to train people and correct people or else they won't learn. Now, now, do you notice I'm bringing this up for a reason because it aligns up with what I've just experienced this week. We're talking about churches that won't train people. They're departing from sound doctrine. They, want, they just let anybody do what they want to do because then they, then they grow their church nice and big. But what they've got is a bunch of fugitives. I don't mean to be mean, but what they've got is a bunch of rats. Because as soon as the ship starts to hit some waves and, and, and there's some little bit of, those rats jump off. No, the, the rats don't have commitment. They have commitment issues. Rats have commitment issues. They, they don't have knitted hearts. They're not committed. They're in it for the free ride and to feel good. And when any kind of persecution rises for the word's sake, they're gone. And that's what a lot of these churches are. They're built on bad foundation. Reverend Greg had a vision years ago about a secret sensitive church in Toronto. And he saw that church grow real large, real quick. But it was on stilts. And then he saw promise of life that was physically smaller, but he saw glory, light coming from the door, like glory, like a cloud of glory was in it. But it was a strong foundation. And over time, that large church built on stilts smashed to nothing. But over time, the right doctrinal foundation kept expanding and expanding and expanding until it was a mighty, a mighty work that had the glory in it. We're not interested in just getting something big on stilts that can't handle the weight of pressure and of darkness, and of our political system, and of everything that's coming against us. You've got to know the truth. You've got to know right doctrine, or you will... So that's what the Lord is having me do. He was having me correct 
under the anointing. But listen, I'm trying to teach you something. Because it's awkward to correct and it's against, it's, it's not my personality. I know you think I'm real bold, but just talk to me privately. I'm nothing but a little puppy dog. I'm a, I'm a golden retriever. I like everybody. I really am. If you know me personally, I don't like to hurt people's feelings. I don't like to get into, when people have issues, I just, I'd rather just back away. Now, when the anointing comes on me, I'm a totally different cat. But naturally speaking, I'm not a confrontational person. I know people think I am because of the way the anointing comes. No, that's why, that's one of the reasons you know it's the anointing, because it's not in me to do that. And I'm not really like that. Even when I'm in counseling, I'm like, oh my God, I know they're having sex outside of marriage. Lord, can you give this cup to another? Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me and go to Reverend Taylor. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this stuff. I don't want to deal with this stuff. I hate dealing with this stuff. I don't want to correct them. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to make them mad at me. But God knows they need to be whipped and beaten. But not me. I don't want to whip and beat them. Lord, let somebody, let Reverend Greg do it. He's, he likes this kind of stuff. But I, I go into it with fear and trembling because it's like a dread. But as soon as I sit down, the anointing comes on me. Just like that. And I'm a different person. You put your britches on and do your fly up and don't let that thing get out. You're sleeping around on your wife and God showed me what you're doing. You better stop that nonsense. And you, you got a proud, full of heart, full of pride. The devil's coming to you. I'm going to cast it out of you. Do you want me to cast it out? I'm a totally different person in that counseling session. Now, you see, I'm probably saying that because then nobody would want to come for counseling. So it's kind of like a strategic move for me because I put fear in people. But it's not me. And a lot of the counseling is very nice and sweet. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes the Spirit of God comes on me to correct people. But that's not my nature. It's not my nature to do that. That's, that's the Spirit that helps me do that because it's, it's not my nature to be confident. Some people, they like confidence confrontation no matter what. Dr. Dufresne enjoyed confrontation. He really did. People bumped him in, in, in the plane, he'd turn right around and he'd start to get on that person. The person, uh, you should hear the stories Pastor Nancy tells me. The lady in the McDonald's, she couldn't understand. And he started, what are you, give me what's on the screen. And he starts to yell at her and she's like, Ed, please. Ed. No, she don't, they don't know their job. Why are they hiring people that don't know their job? I mean, he was very naturally confrontational. I am not. I'm not. People, people butt in front of me at line. I want to yell at them, but I, I won't. I just, okay. I'm serious. I'm just not. So I'm telling you, when you see that happen, know that it's not me. Know that it's the Holy Ghost using me against almost, not my will, because I've yielded my will, but against my personality profile. It's against my personality profile. Because the Holy Ghost, why? He's trying to correct things. Now, look, because of my personality makeup, he knows it's hard for me. So when, I'm gonna, when he wants me to correct stuff like last Sunday, if he doesn't put a very strong anointing that I cannot deny and that I'm actually afraid of. Because when God comes on me that strong, if I don't open my mouth and I get to that back room, I am actually, and I mean this in a holy way, there is a holy fear of God. He's not just daddy, Abba, Papa God in that case. He is in other cases, but he's a holy God. And when he says, say something and you don't say it, I'm telling you, I get in bigger trouble than you can imagine. And it can open a door to the devil, to my health and to sickness and to danger and to accidents. I have a holy fear of God. So sometimes he puts it on me real strong that I cannot deny it. And there's a holy fear of that anointing because I have to say it. But because he knows it's hard for me to say, he puts that anointing so that I, I, I won't back away from it. He doesn't care if I take Zantax in the back. He doesn't care once it's lifted off what I go through. That's not what God cares about. He cares that I say it from the pulpit. Why? Because correction 
has to come. Paul said, rebuke, correct. And then number, and then there was one other one, rebuke, correct, reprove and exhort. 25% feel good. 75% but secret sensitive churches, it's 99% feel good and 1% correction because he don't want anybody to leave the church. But we made a decision a long time ago, didn't we, Reverend Greg, that we're going to preach right doctrine, whether people like it or not, and God has to bring the people. The platform of this church belongs to God. The growth of this church belongs to God. Uh, how it increases belongs to God. Yes, we can aid God in our evangelism and different advertising if he does it, but ultimately it's God. And so we decide we're just going to keep the standard. No matter what happens, if there's no staff and I'm the only staff, fine. If we can't afford anybody, fine. We're keeping the standard. And if there's a big staff, fine. And if there's lots of money, fine. And if there's not, fine. I'm not changing the standard. I'm not changing, no matter what happens, I'm not changing the standard. I'm not changing the standard. If God can't fund the church, then I'll go and I'll work a secular job like I did before and I'll pastor the church. But I'm not changing the standard. We're just not doing it. I'm too far into this to change course direction now. I'm not changing it. But sometimes the anointing has to come strong to correct certain things. Now that's what he was doing last week. He was correcting. But remember what he's, remember we're connecting the dots. I want you to knit hearts because the wall has to be built because the glory center has to come to pass. That's what he's been saying prophetically. But he's trying to correct because there is a lot of falsity out there. And what, what happened this week, what I learned this week was shocking, but in many ways, <laughs> so I said to Pastor Hedabaugh, he's on our board, he was present, and I said to Pastor Hedabaugh, I said, Pastor Hedabaugh, how are we going to, we're going to keep going. You know, he, he'll, he'll correct people according to the word. At least we, people are nicer in Canada. But they're in Texas. They just look at him. They just stand up, grab their stuff, make a scene, walk out the front door in the middle of a sermon. I mean, they're bold in Texas. Texas, bold barbecue sauce. Remember, it's always bold. All the Texas products, you see it as bold. Canada's nice. I'm kind of grateful for the niceness because at least the Canadians will wait till my sermon's done before they leave the service. Poor Pastor Hedabaugh. And I said, Pastor Hedabaugh, you know, what, what, and we talked a lot about the end days, a lot about the glory. We looked at scriptures. We looked at a lot of different things. And I said, I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of discouraging and depressing what you see out there. I mean, people just want wrong stuff. They don't want clean stuff. The churches explode with, with, the, uh, with the fog machines and this nonsense and that nonsense. Nothing wrong with the fog machine, but I'm saying it's doctrine. Pastor Cola in Calgary had a fog machine and lights. And it, nice. it wasn't my taste, but, it's nice. but he teaches right doctrine. <laughs> I don't care about the fog machine. No, we're not offended. I don't care about the lights. No. What I care about is doctrine. Right. And just saying, usually that kind of stuff goes with the wrong doctrine because they're trying to appeal to the nightclubish scene. And they're willing to let things slip. But there are some pastors that don't they have the right doctrine, but they want the, the modern technology. And there's nothing wrong with that. Technology is not a hindrance. It's, it's fine. But, but I said, Pastor Hedabaugh, how are we going to handle this in the future? And, uh, and, 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 and the Lord showed us something. Actually, he started to reveal things as we were sitting at the table because the Holy Ghost was with us. He called the meeting. He called the summit. So he started talking to all of us. And different, different ones would start to prophesy. And it was wonderful. It was, I've never seen that flow happen like that before. Because we're not in a service. We're just around a table. But the Spirit of God is present. And there was a flow between studying the Word and then prophesying and then talking and then correcting. And then it just, it was an amazing flow. 
But the Lord started to show us as a group that uh, what's going to happen. <laughs> I just say, tell you, tell you what, what the Lord revealed to us and we find it in scripture. But what's going to happen is there is going to be an outpouring before the rapture. Yes. It doesn't look like it right now. But it was prophesied and it is going to happen. Yeah. But, now, now, I don't know, you may not agree with this. And I can't, there's no exact scripture. But we do know it doesn't violate the word. And we know that it's in line with what Jesus said to Dad Hagen. But I believe that I used to think there's just going to be a revival poured out on this whole city. That's how I used to see it. And we and others have birthed it. And so we'll get a benefit. But it will just fall on all these different churches. And they'll just partake in what we've birthed. But the Holy Ghost showed us it's not going to happen. It's not going to work that way. The churches that refuse to stay with the word, they're going to, they're going to be bypassed and they're going to go off into oblivion. And they're going to be empty, hollow shells. The candlestick will be removed from them and the anointing will be removed. And listen to me. I mean, I did not know this until this week because it came by prophetic utterance. But the glory of God in the, in the last day great revival is not going to happen on every church like I thought it was. God is raising up churches that will flow with the word and the spirit. That will flow with what he's doing. And on those churches and those churches alone, the power is going to be poured out. And the others, he's giving them a season of mercy. He just said it this morning again. He's giving these other places a season of mercy to get their doctrine in line, to get their hearts right, to repent. But if they don't, he's not going to wait forever. That season, they'll be moved. His hand will move them aside like a discarded cup. They'll still go to heaven, but they won't experience what God has in his heart for this city and for the different cities that all these good churches represent. I'm telling you, I, I want you to listen to me. Uh, don't think every church in Toronto is going to experience this revival because it's not. I did not know that until this last week. I just thought everybody was going to get a measure of it. But the Lord showed us very clearly and from scripture and from prophetic utterance by Dad Hagen and from prophetic utterance within our own group. It is not going to happen like that. There are certain churches that God is going to pour his spirit upon and there's other churches that he's not. Now, when it says, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh, it means it's available yes. to all flesh. But not every church that has sowed seeds of flesh. Remember, the Bible says, what you sow, you will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap life and peace. There's a lot of churches that are sowing to the flesh. And they're going to reap destruction. They're not going to reap the glory. But if churches that are sowing to the Spirit, there's going to be a reaping that comes to those churches and God's going to pour certain things out in certain places and it's not going to be in other places. And that's why it's going to be more localized. There's not going to be revivals across this planet the way a lot of people think. There'll be localized revivals. Localized based on what those people have sown to, what those churches have adhered to, where God has a place that he can pour out his spirit, he will, and it's available to anybody that wants to come, but he's not going to pour precious glory into ungodly earthen vessels of dishonor. The Bible talks about vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. And the wood, hay, the woods, the wood and, and base metal vessels are considered dishonorable vessels. But the Precious stones, gold and silver, are considered honorable vessels. And, God, and the wineskins, you've got lots of examples in Scripture. You've got old wineskins. It can't be poured into the old because it will be destroyed. It's got to be poured into new hearts and clean hearts and clean wineskins. You can see it all the way through the Word. The revival glory will not be poured upon hard-hearted old, old wineskins. 
It will not be poured upon earthen, uh, dishonorable vessels that love sin and the spirit of the world. It will not. It will be poured upon godly, hungry, Holy Ghost, word and spirit, clean, fresh, renewed minds, renewed wineskins, renewed hearts. Father, we're calling, we're hungry. Pour out your spirit. Let the city see your glory. Let devils come out, let the dead be raised. Let it be on the news. We call for your glory. Churches that aren't doing that, they're not gonna have it. They're going to be put aside like an empty shell. If they want it, they can repent in this season. But once it starts, it's easier. I'm not saying people can't repent. People can always repent. But I'm saying there's a season of mercy for them to get their ducks in a row. And if they don't, they'll be discarded. Not because God doesn't love them, not because they're not going to heaven, but they won't be used in this day. And I saw it this week. I've never seen it, Jenny, like that before. It's going to be localized revivals localized churches. It's not going to be poured out on cities as a whole. It's going to be places where they're hungry for God. Are you listening to me? Yes. Then Pastor Hadabah said something. Oh my God. It's 12 or 3, dear sweet Jesus. Help us, Lord. Well, let me sum this up. Uh, thank you, brother, but you're the only one that feels that way, and everybody else wants to kill you right now. They've got daggers for you. I, I, you need guards in the security. They're going to beat you up when you get out there. I'm just kidding. I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to send. But he said something to me, he, and I, this really blessed me. He said, Pastor Craig, he said, do you know what Hebrews 11:6 6 says? I said, of course I do. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> Talks about faith pleasing God. Remember? It's God says the only thing that pleases me is faith. And he said, God spoke to me recently. I can't tell you how much this helped me and blessed me. And God said to him, he said, son, talking to Pastor Hedabal, what pleases me? And he said, faith. And he answered and he said, so why would I ever lead someone to leave your church and go to a place that doesn't teach faith? That's right. I mean, it floored him. He said, why would my spirit lead somebody to go into Catholicism and bondage? Why would my spirit lead somebody to go into other denominations that don't even believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or healing? Why would my spirit lead them to a church that teaches that sin is permittable? If faith pleases me, I'll only lead people to where, to where it's being taught. Now listen to me. Then he said, it shows you how many Christians aren't led by my spirit. And then he said, and it shows you how many, how many churches I have not raised up. I, I, I'm telling you. I mean, the Holy Ghost came in the room when he was telling us this. Because God showed up. I mean, God was confirming to this little group of pastors. And, uh, and uh, uh, this is revolutionary stuff. But the Lord said to him, and I've always felt this, but I've never preached it. But now that he's talking about it, I feel I can maybe say it. But the Lord said to him, he said, people talk about pastors like they're a dime a dozen. He said, the pastoral gift is extremely precious and extremely rare. People just think the prophets are rare. But all oh, pastors, you've got thousands. Of, no. And then we looked to the word and we saw how Timothy was a pastor in Ephesus, one of the most ungodly cities, makes Toronto look like a merry-go-round. You study what Ephesus, 
I mean, they were legalizing uh, pedophilia. They were legalizing bestiality. I mean, it was astonishing how sinful Ephesus was. I mean, Toronto on steroids. No, I'm serious. If you really look at it, like Toronto has not never, we've never reached the Ephesus level of sin. But Paul called Timothy to be a pastor there. And theologians tell us that Timothy had between 40 and 60,000 members in his church. That's what theologians tell us based on historical records. And there's not very many references to other churches in Ephesus. Why? Timothy was the main church. Why? The pastoral gift is rare and precious. And so Pastor Hedabal was telling me, he said, God's been dealing with me. And he's been telling me, he's been saying, a lot of the churches in your city, I never called them. I never called those pastors. I never anointed them. And I know this is a revolutionary, but I'm telling you, there is strat- I know it's hard to understand this, but the Lord started de- dealing with all of us. And the Lord actually said to me, he said, the devil plants churches. Satan plants churches with a strategy to dilute, to dilute away from the power of God. And then as if Pastor Hadabal could read my thoughts, because I was thinking, well, how do you pastor something that big? He looked at me and he said, do you ever thought how you'd pastor 70, 80, 90, 100,000 people? And I thought, yeah, I actually have thought that. I was thinking it right then, but I didn't want to tell him. (laughs) And he said, I asked the Lord the same question. And the Lord answered me and said, if you can pastor three, you can pastor 30,000. Because you don't pastor them in the flesh, you pastor them by the Spirit. And the pastor, the job of the pastor is not to counsel people. There's not one reference in the New Testament to me counseling you. Not one. You can't find it in the Bible. This is a modernized, there was no counseling in the, Old, in the New Testament. This is a modernized thing. You know why? Where counseling came from? Stop preaching the word. When I preach the word to you, it will fix all your problems. The doctrine will fix everything. If you'll just listen and do it, and that's why every now and then I get a gift. It's a precious gift. Sue will call me and say, Pastor Craig, the two appointments are canceled. And I'll say, why? Did they have work? Well, what, what are they offended? Why are they canceling? And sometimes it is that reason. But the gift is when she says to me, oh, they called and said that they got all their answers on Sunday morning. They don't need to meet with you anymore. And I'm just like, ah, that's the beginnings of a New Testament church. I'm not saying for you not to come in. Because your issue might have been dealt with a year ago, but you weren't here a year ago. Or you missed the service because you had to go on vacation or to your cottage. Or your extracurricular. Or to visit grandma. But you missed the service. So you never heard what was taught. And you didn't watch the live stream, you didn't pay attention. So now you're facing that problem a year later, but the answer was already given, but you never heard it. So now you have to come in for counseling for me to re-preach the sermon to you. But any problem you face, if you'll just be patient and if you'll go back and listen, but I know not everybody feasibly can go back and listen because there's hundreds of sermons. And so that's why counseling is always open and we're happy to do it. But it should, for somebody that is paying attention and that is listening to the preached word, their answers are in the preached word. And the only reason counseling started, which is a very modern thing, it didn't exist hundreds of years ago. The only reason it started is because pastors stopped preaching the word and stopped preaching doctrine and they got into emotional things, things that are for itching ears, things that people wanted to hear. And then now people don't know how to live. So now they have to come in for counseling because their life is going wrong because they're not living it by the word. So now they have to come for help. 
but the help is the doctrine preached. Pastoring by the Spirit does not require a lot of counseling. It requires the Word. And God said to Pastor Adamov, if you can pastor three, you can pastor 30,000. Meaning it doesn't matter how many people are there. Timothy pastored up to 60,000 people. Why? Not by counseling, not by raffles, not by car washes or barbecues, although there's nothing wrong with those things, but he pastored them by teaching and preaching the Word. The Word is what changes your thinking. The Word is what renews your mind. The Word. James 1.21 says, Receive with gladness the engrafted Word that is able to what? Save your souls, not your spirit, because your spirit's already saved, because you're born again. And James is writing to believers. So the Word's not saving your spirit. That's what you were before you got saved and saved your spirit. Now that you're saved, your spirit is saved. Your soul, your mind, your thinking, your emotions is, is weird. It's wrong. Receive the engrafted word with gladness. Receive it. Be happy. Be excited when the preacher preaches to you because it will save your soul. It will renew your soul. It will change your thoughts so you can live victoriously. Are you listening? I'm almost done. Now the word engrafted in the Greek means transplanted. Do you know medically that if you're receiving a heart transplant, kidney, liver transplant, if you don't treat your body properly before the transplant, your body will reject that organ? If you, as the person that is to receive the transplanted word, to renew your mind, do not treat this house right, do not treat this pastor right, get offended and walk out. You are rejecting the thing that is there to save you. Because the word going in, Jenny, changes thought patterns. It makes people strong. It makes people more like Jesus. It's the word. It's not my personality. It's the word. It's not charisma. It's the word. It's not if we have a good worship, although we need a good worship, because it's like rain that softens the soil. But that doesn't change you. The word changes you. The gifts the gifts help, but the, only the word taught and preached changes you. So I'm trying to teach you and, and engraft to you and transplant to you something to save you. To save your soul, save the way you think. Treat it right. Don't reject the heart transplant. Treat it right because it's here to save you. But you see, a lot of people, see, that's how you pastor 30,000 people. You just teach them the word. The Word will do all the work. The Holy Ghost and the Word will fix everything. I'm telling you, it's powerful. You know what they say? You take a, you take a, 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 I didn't know this, but if you take a palm tree and you transplant the palm tree from where, it's, where it was originally planted and you transplant it somewhere else, it will survive, but it will not grow one further inch. They will not grow. I did not know that. Not all trees are like that, but palm trees, if you transplant them, they will survive, but they will not grow. Where God has planted you, Psalm 92, be planted in the house of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, I, God says, place you in the body where it pleases me, not where it pleases you. So where I plant you, where I put you in the house of the Lord, you'll flourish and you'll keep growing. But if you get in your flesh and get out of where I planted you, you will survive, but there'll be no more growth. And listen, I'm going to say something very crazy, but, uh, but I'm feeling crazy this morning. The few people that I followed up with, Taylor, that have God in the flesh. Remember, God said, 
I don't lead people away from where it's taught faith because that's what pleases me. And, the, and there's very, very few churches that teach that in this town. And the few people that I have followed, not with all of them, I, I don't follow up with 99% of them, but the few that I followed up with that I've kept in touch with that have left and I knew it was not God's will to leave and they went to another church that doesn't teach this. And I've watched them over the years. Zero growth. They're more messed up now than they were when they were under me. They're more confused. Their marriage is suffering. Their finances are suffering. Everything is going wrong. Why? Because they transplanted away from what was going to save them because they got offended because doctrine will sometimes offend you. Because we're trying to save your soul. We're not trying to make you feel good. We're trying to save your soul by renewing your mind. The spirit's leading always goes to feeding. If the Spirit is leading, He's going to feed your spirit and renew your mind. Feed your spirit, renew your mind. Feed your spirit. The Spirit's leading always goes to feeding. But people don't always like that because it makes them have to make adjustments. I have to change things because it's the mirror of the Word. I look, I don't like what I see in light of the Word. Now I've got to change, but I don't want to change. So let me transplant away where they'll tell me I'm great. And then I can take my britches off whenever I want. And I don't have to tithe because that's an Old Testament doctrine. Let me do all of that. But those people, I've, the few I follow, I will never grow. Because they're like a palm tree. They'll only flourish where they're being fed doctrine in the right place. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so he, he just, the Lord, started to, the Lord started speaking to me and him and the others that were there. That there's actually a, a very dark strategy of Satan himself to plant churches. That a lot of churches are not being planted by God. They're ambitious men that want a paycheck. The pastor's gift is precious and rare. Why? You see it in Ephesus. God didn't plant a lot of churches. He planted few. And the ones that were there grew strong and large. Why? Listen to me. Because with greatness and with strength, you have political influence. Now, we're not politicians and we're not activists. But there should be enough of a movement of God in a city in unity not with all these splintered tiny little things half of them weren't planted by God to begin with but where there is that pastoral gift that God truly has anointed that candlestick that he's truly appointed in that place this word needs to grow now the city of Toronto you can't have one church you need dozens of churches but like that but you don't need thousands we've got thousands of churches in Toronto and most of them aren't planted by God and, and, and when people go to them, it shows how carnal they are because God wouldn't lead you away from the teaching of faith because it's the only thing that pleases him. There'll be probably hundreds of, maybe not even hundreds, I don't know, maybe dozens of churches for a city of six million people. I'm not saying there's only one, there's dozens, but God has to, those, those dozens out of six million, those gifts are precious and rare because he's trying to get more people into less places so that they, are, they grow strong and they have the financial ability to do things and they have the political weight where politicians know there's 100,000 people in that church. I better maybe go and meet with that pastor and talk about what they believe because if I speak against them, it's going to affect my voting record. But, but that we're a joke. Nobody does that. I guarantee you they did that with Timothy if they had that democratic system, which they didn't. They were under Roman rule, but you understand what I'm trying to say. So there is, there, is, there is a lot that's going on today. And God is not leading people away from faith. He's leading people into faith. You know why? Because the Bible says when Jesus says, when I come back to the earth, will I find faith? And he didn't mean that word faith is not just the simple faith that to be saved. He's talking about, will I find the teaching on faith? 
How many churches teach the teaching of who you are in Christ, the dominion of the believer, that we're seated in heavenly places, that we can speak to things, that we can deal with devils, that we've got authority in the name of Jesus, that when we call things, they'll come, and that the faith message that Dad Hagen brought as the forerunner of the last day great move of God. How many churches are really teaching that purely? Those are the ones God is trying to get people into. But people are so carnal, they don't realize that God's doing that because they like this church because it tells them that they're great. Are you understand what's happening? But you know what's going to happen? What's happening now? What the Lord even said right this morning, as well as what he had said in that, in that conference this week, is that there's a season of mercy. God's giving people a time. But that season's going to run out because the last day has to happen before the rapture happens. It has to. It has to happen before the rapture happens. And God's going to, he's giving people time. The tares are growing with the reed. I don't mean unsaved and saved. That does mean unsaved and saved. But from one perspective, if you look at it just for one in the church, there are tear churches and there are wheat churches. There are revelational churches and there are informational churches. There are spirit churches, Dr. Dufresne said, and there are flesh churches. He is letting them grow together, but there will be a separation of the Isaac from the Ishmael. He's giving them time. Remember, Isaac had to be weaned. Ishmael was 13 years old. He had to be weaned before Ishmael was sent away. There is a season that's happening right now in the body of Christ. God sees all this mess. He sees all this false doctrine. He sees that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is in an absolute shambles. And I don't say that lightly. I'm te- at least in America. I know in other countries, it's much stronger. It's much more unified with much more power. But in North America, Canada and the United States, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is in absolute shambles. And I'm not saying that to discourage you. I'm telling you that is the society in which we live. And churches like this are exceptionally rare. Far more than people, far more than I even realized. And so what God is trying to do is he's giving people time to repent and get right. If they don't, they're going to be discarded. Because at that time, that's in this time, while he's giving them time, we have to keep right. We have to prepare. We have to pray. And we have to be stronger than ever before. Because at the right time, he's going to take Isaac away from Ishmael. The flesh church is going to be discarded. They're going to heaven. God loves them, but he's not going to pour glory upon them. And what he's going to do, he's going to find the few, and there probably only will be a few. But he's going to find the few that have prepared themselves with new wineskins and with renewed minds to save the soul. That think right, live right, act right, speak right. And in those places, he's going to start to glorify that church by putting his glory on them. And people are going to witness it and sinners are going to witness it and miracles like you've never seen before. I'm talking arms growing out. Uh, William Branham said people that have no eyes, the minister won't even speak, won't even lay hands. He'll just say, I grow and an eyeball will appear in their eye and it will be on the news. Dead will be raised. That will be a common thing. It's going to happen, but it's not going to happen in these churches. It won't. God won't allow it because their wineskins are old. It's going to happen in the churches that have got right hearts. Not because we're perfect, but because we're hungry. Because we respond to the word to save our souls. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And then, so I've just been meditating on all of this stuff, Jenny, this week, about all of these big highfalutin things. And then this morning, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know what was going to happen until it happened. Then that prophecy comes, and what's he saying? He's repeating some of the things that were said at the table. I'm giving them a season of mercy. If they don't repent, I'm going to discard them. Even senior voiced leaders in our generation will be discarded. Because some of them are getting off in doctrine. A lot of them are getting off in doctrine. There's one main church in the United States that wants to create a new religion called Chrislam. Islam and Christianity come together. God's going to discard that unless that pastor repents. 
There's another ministry in the States that's trying to get Catholics and, and born-again Christians because uh, they're against Martin Luther. They're against what Martin Luther did. And they just want us all to merge together into a, a Catholic kind of faith. Catholic, half Catholic, half Christian. We believe in paradise, but not in all situations. You can confess to the priest, but not in all situations. It's emerging. They're trying to do it right now. And if I told you the name, you'd be shocked. Behind closed doors, people don't know. It's false doctrine. We love Catholics, but you got to be born again. You don't pray to Mary, you pray to Jesus. We, we, we got to keep the standard clean. And there's a lot happening out there, Jenny. There's a lot happening out there with demonic manifestations and things happening. And people say, oh, this must be God. Look what happened. No, if the doctrine's not right, the doctrine's not right. So what I'm saying is the church is in a shambles, but God's giving time. While they're getting their time, what do we do? We don't slack off. We press harder than ever before in clean living and hunger in praying and in sound doctrine because the day will come where the Isaac will be lifted up and glorified and the Ishmael will be discarded and sent into the wilderness. It's a perfect illustration. And Isaac was glorified. God's blessing was on him. And this church is going to be glorified. And you're going to see stuff that we've never seen. That's why the glory center has to be built. That's why you have to renew your mind with generosity and giving. Because we need a building different to this building to house a lot of people. And this building can't. But it's coming. It's coming. So he said, you might get to your sermon, but just flow with me. So Lord, I've done that. I flowed with you and I could go for another hour, but the time is long spent and your chicken awaits you. So I need to let you go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you've done this week in Colorado. I thank you for those pastors that gathered to pray and to seek you and to discuss and talk and talk about the state of our society and the state of the church. Lord, we are watchmen on a wall that watch in the spirit because we know there is much falsity and there is much danger. Lord, you said through Paul to the young man, Timothy, that perilous times will come where they will depart from the faith, seeking after seducing spirits and doctrines of demons and ear itching teachings. Lord, we're living in that day right now. That's not coming. That is, we're in the middle of it right now. And, and this church, I'm so glad they're in a bubble and I'm so glad they don't know and I don't want them to research on the internet and I don't want them to look because their eyes and their hearts don't need to be tampered with and, and we, don't want, we don't want the distortion of what's out there, the impurity coming into their hearts. So Father, let them guard their, their, their research, let them guard their eye gate and their ear gate in what they listen to and who they listen to. Because I know there's many voices out there and none without significance, but there's only certain voices that are destined and anointed for their growth. So let them be careful who they listen to and what they watch on the internet because it's, it's a dangerous world. And we need them to be grounded in true doctrine and not be pulled aside by the many, the Bible says, tossed to and fro by the winds of doctrine. We don't want winds of doctrine. We want sound doctrine. So, Father, there is a, a, a great disparity right now in North America between the glorious church and the flesh church. And, Father, they outnumber us 100 to 1. But, Father, we're going to keep holding the stand. We're going to keep doing what's right. We're going to preach what's right. We're not, I'm not moving the landmarks that my Father has set. Yes. Your word tells us in the book of Proverbs or Psalms, I can't remember exactly, Lord, but it says, do not move the landmarks that the fathers have set. Yes. Father, I'm not moving the landmarks on sound doctrine that your word teaches, that the apostle Paul taught, that Wigglesworth taught and Dad Hagen taught and Dr. Dufresne taught, I'm not moving them. 
I don't care if other people move them. I'm not moving them, not in this church. We're going to stay strong. We're going to stay hungry. We're going to stay clean. And we're going to be vessels with new wineskins ready for the new wine. Because, Lord, you're going to pour it out on this church. I don't know about how many other churches in Toronto. I'm sure there'll be some. But there won't be thousands. Because there are very few that you've called to truly be pastors. That gift is precious and rare. And Lord, we're one of them and you're going to pour it out on this church and we're going to see the revival and the glory of God exactly as Dr. Dufresne prophesied it. And it is going to come to pass and we're going to see many thousands born again in this great city of Toronto. And you're going to give Toronto a chance to repent and you're going to pour out your spirit upon our church, but it's going to be available to all flesh. And if they repent, they'll come in and if they don't, they'll be discarded. But Father, you're going to have your way before Jesus calls us up. So Lord, I, this was an inspirational message. It was, it was, I didn't get into teaching. I just spoke by the Spirit this morning. So I thank you that their hearts were open to receive. That Lord, let us be grateful. Let us be grateful for this place that you've called us in this church to flourish. And let us receive the transplanted word with gladness that can save our souls. Father, let us have hearts knitted, not just committed. Let us be called to the wall with our supply to build this work. And we call that the glory center will come to pass. For it will be a cradling place and a housing place for the glory of God. And you're going to glorify your church. And we're just one of them. There'll be others. But you're going to glorify your church that's clean and spotless. And without wrinkle and stain, you're going to glorify us with your glory. And our light shall rise and the kings will come to the brightness of our rising. And the sinners will realize that God is real. And the power of God is real. And religion answers nothing, but the power of God answers everything. And we will hold the banner high, Jesus, in this last day move. And we're in a preparation season while you're giving the others time to repent. So let us not be weary in well-doing. Let us not faint. Let us, let us, if we will reap, if we faint not, let us hold the course and be faithful. Faithful to this church and faithful to the vision. Committed and knitted. And I thank you, Father. It will surely come to pass. Well, I feel God is pleased with what I shared. It wasn't all what I expected to share. But I know that he wanted me to share with you what happened in Colorado. Don't be discouraged. There are glorious churches that are being raised up. I mean glorious. You're in one of them. There's others in Toronto. We're not the only dogs cats meow here. There are others, but there's not as many as you think. So let's make this church strong. Amen.